Don't get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. Dolly Parton. Just a good old boy trying to be a good old man out here learning on the fly trying to do the best I can. Hello and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, not joined today by my normal co-host Perry Hughes, who is off gallivanting around the world somewhere. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, he uh, he is just back from a cruise with his family over spring break. So getting to spend some good quality time with his family, and he just had some other obligations this morning and wasn't able to join us. But I am here joined by my friend, Dr. Steve Herschek. Dr. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you this morning? Thank you. I'm doing well. Yeah, we, we were already talking about how he's already been up for hours, so it, it is morning as we are recording this, and he's a morning person as a doctor, as you might expect, getting stuff done and meeting with people and already having a good morning. So uh, I'm excited to talk to you, Dr. Steve. Thank you for, for being here about work-life balance. That's what we're going to be talking about, and that's it's really kind of a trite, overused phrase, I would say, work-life balance. Is it even possible to achieve that? I don't know. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, no, but we are going to be talking about really the serious issue, the serious topic that I think a lot of fathers have, which is an ambition to succeed in in life and our calling, whatever our vocation is, and yet also be good fathers, to be there for our kids, to be able to spend time with our kids. And how do you how do you hold those two things in balance? I know I'm walking through a season right now, Dr. H, where I have a newborn. And so my work-life balance is admittedly thrown way off. I am spending a disproportionate amount of my time with my kids, with my family, helping my wife with my newborn. And and you would think, oh, that's great. Like you're spending all this time with your kids and your family. And yeah, but there's also a desire in my heart to get back to work and to continue to pursue the things that I want to be doing. And there's some even some like guilt around that. And and you know, I'll just throw that out there at the outset. I think a lot of men maybe wrestle with that feelings of of, of guilt or resentment, either towards your business or towards your, towards your family, if if we're not holding these two huge parts of our lives in balance. And so, and then so I know you have wrestled with this exact same thing. And I feel like the reason I've invited you onto the show is because I feel like you're holding these two things in, in a pretty good balance right now. And that hasn't always been the case, but I know you to be a very successful doctor, a very successful businessman. And yet, man, you're such a good dad. I, I just, I always love our conversations. I love that you're there for your kids. In fact, as we were trying to schedule this podcast, you were like, look, I, I'm going to be gone all week with my son at a baseball tournament. And so, so your family is is a priority for you as well. So I can't wait to have this conversation and just pick your brain on some of this. And um, feel free to respond to any of this long-winded introduction, but but maybe start by telling the listeners a little bit about your family. Yeah, so thanks for all that, uh, Brett. Um, so uh, I'm married and been married for over 25 years now. We have four children. They range in age from, we have one left at home who's 17, he's a junior in high school, up to a daughter who's, gosh, she's 24 now, married, she's a nurse in Denver, and we have a son who's in college in in Phoenix, and then we have another daughter who's actually still in the home, she kind of boomeranged back during COVID, but she's just finished up her nursing degree this, this spring, and she's engaged to be married next December, so we're getting into a, a stage of life where we're going to soon be empty nesters, which is really weird because when you and I used to run together, Brett, through our port former business, 
I used to tell my story about being the father of four little kids. And I think they were like two, four, six, and eight, yeah. kind of that rage back then. It was a, was a long time ago, but uh, you know, time is moving on and, and they're getting older and I'm getting older. Uh, but um, so that's a little bit of the background of the family. And uh, I did struggle a lot with the work balance uh, ratio. And uh, what I've noticed is different people have different levels of of motivation in terms of what they're going to struggle with. Some dads maybe struggle with um, getting up the motivation, desire to get out of the house and work. I've, I've, I have friends that, you know, maybe are in that more. And then I have other friends who maybe struggle with workaholism where they just they're they're always gone and they're always working. And, you know, so listeners are probably going to be on that spectrum. I'm probably tilt more towards the spectrum of, of, uh, I like working. I like creating. I, I don't feel good if, it, if I'm in a day and I don't really accomplish anything that I would say is like productive. And I, and I like to, I like, I like to work. I like to get stuff done. I like to make things happen. I like to see something for, for, um, the work I put in. So I err more on the side of probably um, liking it maybe a little too much. So just, that's kind of my, you know, my bias, that's where I fall on that spectrum. Uh, but I, but I, but I did know though. Um, so just to like back it up to know what my perspective is, I, I didn't know who your audience was. So I appreciate your, your prayer this morning. I'm assuming I'm, I'm talking to maybe guys that have a faith background. Cause that's my background. I, I grew up in a, in a Christian, uh, well, I grew up in a church, uh, attending home, uh, but I never heard the gospel message until I was a teenager. And 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 that was probably the most important day in my life. Well, it was the most important day when I heard that I had a decision to make to follow Jesus Christ or not. And so as a teenager, I, I made that decision. I heard the gospel. I responded and followed the Lord for uh, maybe a, that summer. But then unfortunately, started getting some bad friendships and and fell off and, and followed some bad examples and really got passive with my faith and made a lot of bad decisions. All to say that in my early 20s, I crashed and burned and was really just playing around with my faith. And I realized that was a huge mistake. And I, I made a lot of bad decisions, hurt a lot of people, hurt myself, and was really embarrassed with my life and what had happened. And so in my early 20s, I, I, I recommitted my life to the Lord and said, I'm, I'm all yours. And whatever you say goes, and I, I want to please you with the rest of my life. So that's kind of my, my backstory. And in my early 20s, I was an electrician. I, I didn't like school at the time. I left high school halfway through my senior year. I had enough credits, I found out. So I just left. My guidance counselor said, what are you doing? I said, I'm out of here. Schools are relevant. I, I don't want to be a part of this. I want to go out and work. Because back then I could make $5 an hour. And that was a lot of money in, <laughs> in 1983. One gallon of gas so these I, days. Yeah, I know. Um, but I made $40 a day back then working eight hours as an electrician. And I, so I was loaded, you know, so... I went to work and I worked really, really hard for the first few years and when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. But then, like I said, I crashed and burned in my early 20s and I really had to do a retake of my life in terms of what am I doing? Uh, not, not that there's anything wrong with working in construction or the trades. It's a great way to make a living, provide for your family. I'm not putting that down at all. I still actually do electrical work on the side. I'm glad I understand that. I, I climb in attics. I'm in basements. I, I enjoy working with my hands and doing construction. But I think God put something different in my heart. And all of a sudden I had a desire to be a physician. And I don't know where that came from. I do know where it came from. It came from 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 my father in heaven because I don't know any doctors. We didn't have any friends that were doctors. My dad is a blue collar, was blue collar. Um, my mom was a school teacher. So, but I wanted to be a doctor. And I, I was excited about that dream. I had a dream. And so I worked really hard and 
went back to um, school, went back to community college, wired houses during the day, went to school at night. And 12 years later, uh, finished my residency at the University of Wisconsin in Madison as an anesthesiologist. Nice. And so it was a, it was a tremendous journey. But so 12 years, that puts you into your early 30s? Or when did, you, when, when did you move out into being a full-time doctor? Were you married at that point? When did kids enter the picture? Yeah, yeah, good question. So I, I met Andrea, my wife, um, the month before I went to medical school. So I would have been, um, let's see, finished high school, age 17, went back, started going back to college, age 22. So probably, you know, probably late 20s when I met my wife, it was just before med school started. So we dated long distance for a couple of years. And then we got married between my second and third year of med school. She taught school. I was a student. And then when I finished uh, medical school and started residency, we made a little bit of money as a resident. So she stayed home. We started our family. I was the, 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 the sole breadwinner back then. And this is up in Madison, Wisconsin. And we started our family uh, back then and about, you know, 2000, thereabouts, uh, late 90s. And I've been, you know, the sole breadwinner since. Andrea has been taking care of the kids. And I knew at that point I really wanted to put my family first. Like I knew my ultimate fulfillment wasn't going to be from being the greatest doctor or having the biggest house or the driving the fanciest car. I, I, you know, I, I knew that the, the emptiness of materialism. So that didn't attract me. That wasn't my, my thing. And I, and I would even talk, I had the, I had the insight to know, I think, um, when I was younger, I would ask older doctors, Hey, what would you do different? I would just, and they, and always I heard, man, I, I would have, spent more time with my family. Like this was, I worked too much. I would hear that over and over as I worked too much. I worked too much. And so I thought, man, I don't want to get in that trap because these are guys that are in their sixties and they were telling me, yeah, I, I wish I was around more. My kids were little. I would hear that over again. I thought, man, I'm so sorry that, you know, so sorry to hear that because you can't get that back. And I thought, man, my kids are little right now and I don't want to miss it. And I love, I'm the kind of dad I, I loved working. I loved leaving the house, but I also loved coming home. I loved when the kids would run across the house and slide across the floor into my, in my, into my legs. And I loved that reading books to them at night, you know, spending all day Saturday, all day Sunday with them. Loved those times. So, so that wasn't hard for me. And some men I know they'll say, man, I, I just, I don't like, just, I just don't like little kids. And that's no fault. I mean, we're all wired a little differently. I'm, I'm not really into babies. I'm like, give them to me when they can walk and talk a little bit. So I'm kind of like, yeah, it's a baby. And my wife's like, oh, look at that. I'm like, yeah, it's a baby. I mean, they kind of drool and they got to be changed. So, but you, so, you know, men, men are going to be different in that department. I, I loved kind of hanging out with my little kids, especially when they started to interact with the world and they're asking questions and they're trying to talk. I loved that stage, love reading books to them. So that came easy for me. Um, but did did you have a lot of time to do that with them, though? Because I know, obviously, you, you work a lot when you're a new doctor, especially you're starting your career. I mean, how many hours were you working and how many nights were you able to read them to bed? Because, you know, I know when you and I first met, a big part of your story was you started to go into business and the entrepreneurial route, even alongside being a doctor in the hopes of creating a little bit more time to spend with your family. Uh, just talk about those early years and how much time you either did or didn't have to devote your to your family and, and sort of what your response to that was, what, what some of your solutions were to be able to have those magical moments with your kids as they were growing up. Yeah, that's a great question. Brett. And that's really how I met you is, uh, so about three, four years into my practice, I'm working way too many hours. And I knew it. 
how did I know it? I was miserable. I was on call a lot. And the call meant I, I worked all day in the hospital. I worked the evening. I worked the night. It would be eight, nine o'clock at night. I'm still doing anesthetics, you know, 12, 14, 15 hours. And, and I didn't come home at night. It was in a level one trauma center. I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist. It's midnight and I'm still there. I'm still sitting in the operating room. I've been there since 630 in the morning. And that happened. And then the next morning, oh, we're a little bit short. Can you do the first couple of cases the next day? So here it is, 9 a.m. the next morning. I haven't been home yet. I'm still in my scrub, still doing anesthesia. Maybe I got an hour or two of sleep sometimes, maybe not. And that 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 didn't happen, have to happen for very long. And I was miserable. And I knew, like, I can't do this forever. And I was growing to dislike anesthesia a lot. Uh, I didn't pick the wrong career. I was just doing it too many hours. And I, and I, and I could tell I was missing out on my kids growing up years. I'd be, I'd be in a post-call stupor when I was home because I didn't sleep at night. Uh, unlike last night, I slept all night, even though I was on call. So I'm in a good place now doing anesthesia. So the job was not the right job for me, but, uh, but I did read a book. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, 20 years ago and it and a light bulb went on. And I learned about this thing called assets and liabilities and Robert Kiyosaki talked about people who make a great big income, but they trade all their time. They become what he called a high paid wage slave. And I felt like that describes me. I make a good income, but I have no time and I'm missing out on what is going to be probably one of the greatest experiences of my life is the privilege of being a dad of young kids. And I was missing it. And so I became open to other opportunities. That's how we met Brett. That's the business that we did back years ago. I learned that people were doing this business on the side and creating residual income, income that came in that wasn't tied directly to your working hours. And so I got that concept. I liked the concept of building assets. We bought an office building, which was like an old house that got renovated. Uh, so when I say office building, it's not like this big, you know, multi-story, you know, commercial building. It was an old house, but it was a nice house. And it, it got converted into kind of a, you know, a, a big office building. And we had maybe a dozen tenants. And these are Little tenants paying, you know, $500, $800 a month. So, you know, it, it brought in some income, but it but it was residual income. And then our uh, business in the network marketing space, that created recurring income. And so what I was able to do with these income streams is back off on my work. So I went to my boss and I said, hey, I said, you know, I appreciate my job here. Enjoy what I do, but I don't want to take call anymore. And they said, what are you talking about? Like, are you in trouble? What's going on? Are you in drugs? What are you doing? I said, no, I'm not in trouble. <laughs> I'm not doing drugs. I just want to be around my kids. And he said, that's going to cost you a lot. And I said, I understand, you know, someone's got to take the call. I get that. So I probably took a six figure income hit to get rid of call, but it made my life better. And so now I'm doing anesthesia, maybe seven to three, five days a week, no nights, no weekends, no call, because I have these side businesses and my work life balance got better. And so I was able to work during the day, which I enjoyed, but I'm able to be home in the evening, go to the basketball games, you know, attend the events, not be gone on the weekends. So life balance got a lot better because of that, the extra income streams I had. So let's talk a little bit more about this because is going into business for oneself the only answer, the only way to get work-life balance? Is there a, a way you talk about how now, I mean, because now you're back to being essentially a full-time practicing anesthesiologist, right? Fast forward 20 years or whatever it's been. You still love anesthesia, anesthesia um, anesthesiology. 
but you said now you just have a better job. You have better hours. So, so should men who maybe find themselves in a situation like you were describing, where they acknowledge that they're working too much, they have a desire in their heart to be present with their kids more fully, and yet there is an actual need to, pro- to provide food for the family, to provide shelter, to work, to, to be the breadwinner, and so forth. What are the solutions? And, and what I hear you saying is there are probably different solutions for different men. The key is to be intentional and to realize you don't have to remain trapped if, if you're not fulfilled and if you're not having the time with your kids that you want. Is that right? Absolutely. I Absolutely. I would say if you are either in a job where it's a toxic environment, meaning it's an environment where you just know it's bringing you down, okay? Or you're in a job where there's no fulfillment. Not that every day has to be great. There's aspects of every job that are going to be boring and routine and mundane, but there should be components of your job that you do fully enjoy and you feel like you were created to do. Or if it's a job who takes you away from your family where you don't have the work-life balance, that would have been my case. I didn't have the work-life balance I was looking for. So was, was starting an entrepreneurial venture the only way out? Absolutely not. I have a new job now. I'm an anesthesiologist. I work full time. Uh, I'm in a town 30 minutes away. It's a little commute, but it's a great hours. It's great work-life balance. I have a wonderful schedule now. I have plenty of vacation time. I work hard during the day and it's a wonderful balance. So I'd say, you know, those are some of the different options. You could do something on the side, but like I said, my bias was towards work. So I still did anesthesia and built a business on the side, but I just, I just am kind of a productivity, not in that way. But you don't have to do that. You can simply look for a different job. And I would encourage you, if you feel stuck and you feel like you're going to have regrets, which is what I knew I was going to have regrets if I didn't make a change, make that change. You know, start looking, network out there, find other ways that you can do your work, but maybe in a better environment. Talk to your boss. Maybe they can restructure your position. Or if you have to leave where you're working, you know, don't stay in a job. If you know you're going to have serious regrets, you know, try to find another job. Obviously, don't quit your job before you have something else lined up. Don't create financial stress. That's unhealthy for anybody. But network and find something else. If you feel like you're in a position where you're going to have regrets one day, regret is a horrible thing to live with. I read a quote recently uh, by Tom Brady. So Tom Brady, arguably the greatest NFL football player of all time. And he was interviewed just a few months ago. In the midst of his marriage falling apart, in part because of football and the number of hours that he has put into football, and he basically said, and I don't have the exact quote, but but the essence of what he said was that, that if you want to be great, there really is no such thing as as work-life balance. You have to be all in. You have to make the sacrifices and put in the hours to be elite as a football player. And if it means your marriage sacrifices, if it means other aspects of family life sacrifices, sort of sort of so be it, right? And and that's not a popular sentiment, but what I'm wondering is if there's truth to that. You know, I so in in the in the medical world, I imagine a lot of the most successful physicians, surgeons, brain surgeons, etc. Yeah, they spend a lot of time to reach that level. I know my dad was a lawyer, and I know in in the legal space, there's a lot of divorce, for example, at the higher ends of law because you have to be married to the law if you're going to be an elite lawyer, for example. Or is that the case? Is it possible 
to have ambition, to want to be the best at whatever field we are in. Somebody listening to this might be an athlete, might be, um, yeah, who knows, lots of a, a super successful business person. Entrepreneurs, by the way, it's not always a magical answer just to be in business for yourself because you can be in business for yourself and still work 80 hours a week because you have employees and you're growing a business and you're launching new products and all of that. It doesn't automatically free you up to have unlimited time as an entrepreneur. So I guess my question is, what is your reaction to that for men who maybe are wrestling with, with ambition? And that's that's okay. That's a good place to I, – I wrestle with that. I struggle with that. I want to excel at what I'm putting my – my hands to work in, is it possible to have a good relationship with your kids and be an all-star NBA basketball player, for example, or a neurosurgeon or president of the United States? Yeah, so I, I would say absolutely. And I would disagree with Tom Brady's statement. I would say Tom Brady's statement is an honest one for him, but it reflects probably more of his personality and his worldview uh, than, than, a, than an absolute statement about that that topic. I would say, here's the things. Um, why do a lot of men end up losing their marriages and having regrets with their parenting when they are perform at really high levels in their field? I would say there's a few things that go wrong. And I would say that they are these things. If you don't know um, God is your savior, if you don't have a personal relationship with him, your identity has to come from something else. And, and so it, some categories of men are going to get that affirmation from success in their field. And that success is so intoxicating and it feels so good that they're going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And the affirmation uh, that they get from their work or their sport or whatever it is they're excelling at is so intoxicating that they can't pull away from it and they stay in it and they stay in it in unhealthy amounts. And what does that do to your marriage relationship? That's going to take time and energy and make you and humble you at times, or your parenting relationship where you have to slow down and invest time with your kids, it's going to be very, very hard to do those things. And frankly, you may not even feel like doing those things because you feel like you're getting more fulfillment from your work. And so a lot of men blow up their family life for that reason, is they're getting too much affirmation from their job because they don't know who they are. They don't know who they were created to be. And so I would say being a Christian provides an advantage because I know who my wonderful counselor is. I know who my everlasting father is and my prince of peace. And I have these things. And so when my work balance maybe starts to get out of control, I have the Holy Spirit to guide me back to where is a healthy balance with my time. So I'd say some men struggle with the identity, the identity piece, and that destroys your marriage. Some men struggle with the sense of they need to be needed. Well, I have to be there all the time. I mean, I run the company. People are depending on me. These projects won't happen. You know, my team needs me. So I, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, kids. I'm sorry, wife. I, I, I'm just so needed here, and that's a lie as well. Yeah, you're needed, but you're creating a lie. You're living a lie. You're you're believing a lie that you have to be in your workplace or your sport or whatever it is, and you can't be there for your family. That's just simply a lie. God wouldn't ask you, I'm talking to men now who are God-fearing men, God's not going to ask you to do something that's going to make you destroy your family. Now, are there seasons where maybe you have to be away? Are there seasons that are busy? You know, for sure, there's times. Are there, are there nights when maybe you're going to be on call and you're going to be gone? Absolutely. Are you going to miss, are you sometimes going to miss an important event in your kid's life? Yeah, you are. It doesn't mean you're going to hit all of them. It may mean you be you might be traveling during you know your anniversary for your spouse, whatever, or birthday. It doesn't mean you're always going to be there at everything. But 
it does mean that those things are a priority to you. And so I think that it comes down to a matter of priorities. Uh, some of you maybe have seen that analogy where you have like a, a jar and then there's like golf balls and marbles, like a bag of each. And the question is, can you fit them all in the jar and make them all fit? Have you ever seen that? And if you put the small marbles in first, there's no room for the golf balls. Okay. But if you put the big things in first, then there's actually room for the smaller things to fit. In other words, it's really an issue of priority. So for me, it comes to, let's say, the principle found in Matthew 6, 33, seek first, seek first, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things are added to you. So it's a matter of priorities. When you put first things first, I think God will give you supernatural wisdom and insight and success so that you can still perform at the highest levels of whatever it is you're trying to do. And at the same time, have time and energy and mental space for your marriage relationship, for your relationship with your kids. So I think it's a spiritual principle. That makes a ton of sense. And I love what you said about identity. For me, I think it also comes back to values, to the extent that we can be crystal clear in our own mind what our core values are. Then when we're presented with new job opportunities, businesses to start. What kind am I going to start? What are they going to be the time demands? Uh, we get asked to, to, Perry and I were talking about this uh, on an earlier episode, right? We, we often say yes to things, even if they seem like they're good things. Hey, do you want to be the, you know, do you want to lead this committee at church? Do you want to take on this fundraiser? And we say yes to all these things. But if we have certain values that are established that we can sort of filter these decisions through, it makes the answer a lot easier. I have a friend who, for example, has decided it's a non-negotiable for him that he will be at the dinner table with his family at six o'clock. And he's a very successful businessman. He runs a company with tons of employees, lots of demands on his time. He's got a podcast, he, all of these types of things. And yet, he knows no matter what fires seem to be taking place, what emails urgently come in at at 529, he can't respond to it because he has to be in his car because he will be home at six o'clock for for bedtime, you know, dinner and bedtime with his family. That's a value that he has pre-established. And then everybody around him knows. That's just the reality. I'm just not going to get this guy at six o'clock at night and so forth. And I like that. And I try to I try to think about that in my own life. What are my core values? What and you know, it's it's I think we all think we know what the right answer is, right? God first, family second, work third. And yet if our time and money reveal our priorities, I think for most men, work might be first, right? We just spend so so much of our time there. But but all of that to say, for you, are there any non-negotiables as you have have been a father for your kids. Uh, you still have one at home, but you're you're always a father to them. When you were working the long hours, or when you transitioned to to the business world, what are some of your core values? And what were there any non negotiables? And how did you ensure that you were there for some of the big moments in your kids' lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. So you know, the field I was in is kind of weird in that it's medicine, and medicine happens you know seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. So you can't you can't schedule emergencies. You know, you can't schedule when a you know when a C section is going to be needed or a baby. So it's a weird field. You know, there's there's probably other occupations that they're just not eight to five, and you just don't have control. So if you have to share a call, you just have to share a call. But 
But some of the, like, just see, you know, sleeping this past year, like I have a, one son at home, he's still playing basketball. He plays basketball two, three nights a week. Um, I will always look ahead a couple months in the calendar. If, if I'm scheduled to be on call, I'll always ask a colleague, hey, can we switch call nights? You know, and it and it's a little bit of a pain. Oh, Steve wants to switch call. I will always ask if I can do that. Um, last week, as I mentioned, we were in Springfield, Missouri for the whole week of a homeschool national basketball championship. There were 3,500 kids in Springfield, 350 different teams. The first week of vacation I took last October when we were taking our vacation time was this week in March because I knew it was Sam's week of national basketball championship and I wasn't going to miss it. Yeah, I'm not going to miss it. Now, you know, would there be more interesting places to be than Springfield, Missouri in March? Yeah, of <laughs> course. You know, I'm with colleagues that are getting back from Mexico and the Caymans and blah. And it's like, oh, I would love to have gone somewhere beautiful and warm. And But you know what? I wasn't going to miss that week with my son. So I sat on a bench, you know, a cold metal bench in a gymnasium all week long and watched kids play basketball. But I, but But that's a priority for me because I have a son at home right now. And that's what's important in his world. And if there's any way I can be there, I'm going to be there. And um, so, you know, but but priorities happen and you you just put first, you know, these things you do. Now, do I miss a basketball game once in a while? Of course, sometimes I just can't switch the call, but I will always make an attempt to switch the call. I love the example of your friend who does have control over his evening hours. Sounds like he runs the company. So he he looks at the boss in the mirror so he can say, hey, at 530, I'm out of here. I'm going home. Good for him. I have other friends who run their businesses that way. I'll send them an email and maybe it's a Friday. And I'll say, hey you know what, we're not answering our emails or our phones. After Thursday at 5 p.m., we'll get back to you on Monday morning. I'm like, good for you. Good for you. That tells his people, tells his clients, I'm I'm gone for the weekend. I take Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. I'm not looking at your email. Good for you. Like if you can chop out those things and put those things first, you know, it's said, if you want to see what really is important to a man, pull open his calendar, right? Because the things that are important, you will put down there. You know, meetings that are important where you you can create a lot of business, create a lot of income. You're going to put that on your calendar. You're not going to miss it. Well, do you do that for your kids' sporting events? Do you do that for the things that are important to your spouse? You know, if your spouse is someone where does the date of our anniversary is really important, is that in your calendar? You know, the things that are on your calendar will reflect your priorities. And so if you can do that, you just have to do that. Do you have conversations with your kids about about work, you know, it, three of your kids are now out of the out of the house and working and a nurse, et cetera, et cetera. So much of so much of what we think about work and success, I think for me at least, came from watching my own father. Right, and I've talked about that on this podcast. My dad was a lawyer who worked long hours, but he was always there for my baseball games and basketball games, and and I saw him make those things a priority. For you, have you just sort of let your kids watch you do life and work and hold these things in balance, or do you have intentional conversations with them? How have you tried to initiate your kids into their own career paths and thinking about? their own families and work-life balance, or has it just sort of unfolded organically as they've watched you navigate this process yourself? Yeah. So I think what's, what's most influential for your kids is not what you say, but what you do. So we have conversations, yes, but most importantly, they see their dad get up early in the morning when it's dark and he goes to work and he goes to work a lot and they see their dad 
um, sometimes working into the evening hours or at night, or I'll come home on a post call and they might say, Hey dad, how was your night? Well, I was up at, you know, 2 AM, um, doing an emergency case in the middle of the night and your kids, you know, kids need to see their, their dad, their mom, whoever's the breadwinner, they need to see you working. That, that makes a huge impact that this is what's expected. I mean, this is what God wants for me as we get up and we go to work and we serve people no matter what. You know, as you get older, you don't just do things when you feel like doing them. You do them out of obligation, out of duty, out of responsibility, because that's what's required of you. So so what you do speaks always speaks louder than what you say. But do we ever talk about work? Yeah, we talk about it a lot in the sense of I want my kids to find out what is that thing that God's given you to do? So I like to have conversations about, you know, uh, your work should reflect some kind of an interest or capacity that God has put in your heart. And he wants you to figure out how that applies to the marketplace. And it doesn't mean there's just going to be one application for maybe your your God-given interest or temperament or, or, or desires, but there might be many. So you want to steer your kids into that, into that right thing. So let's say your kids have a summer job. Talk about that summer job. Hey, what'd you like about it? What didn't you like about it? You know, you can learn a lot from things you enjoy doing and things you don't enjoy doing, and they can indicate what your natural capacity is uh, that'll apply in the marketplace. So I like to have conversations with my kids and even other, my friends' kids now that are teenagers and beyond. I love talking about, hey, what do you see yourself doing? What what do you like doing? What did you enjoy? What classes do you enjoy? Which classes do you not enjoy? So I like to ask questions about those things because they can indicate vocation, Right. And the word vocation is an old Latin word that means like, I think it's vocare, which is a call, like the word vocal, the vo- you know, it's a calling. Uh, it, it indicates that your work is a calling um, by God because God just doesn't create things. He actually cares for things. So he cares for his creation. And how does he care for creation? You know, does he hand down our milk and our bread and our food right from the sky? No. Like Martin Luther talks about, uh, we are the masks of God. God cares for his creation through us, through the work that we do. So it's not just that he makes things, but he cares for people through our work. And so our work really matters. Our work does matter. And our kids absolutely need to see us working. But again, it comes back to this sort of balance. And and I want to just share quickly for the listener, but then also maybe to, to gauge your reaction to this. Uh, Perry, my co-host, I, I just sort of asked him for a few thoughts knowing we were going to be talking about this. And and he, he shared the following. He said he has this quote written on the wall of his uh, of his old office building. Our listeners will know that he recently just completely new, moved his building. Perry, as you're listening to this, I'll ask you, have you moved this over to your new building yet? But uh, <laughs> I love it. It's just a quote that was always front and center for him to sort of med- meditate on. And it reads, quote, my family is more important than my business. And I think and that's just a bold, powerful statement, and it's a good reminder. You know, Perry says that his goal is to be successful at both, both family and business. But if he were forced to pick between the two, he would r- much rather deal, he says, with having the problem of a failed business than a failed family. And I think, I think that's good, Perry. Thank you for sharing that. You know, as, as I read that. Uh, I mean, again, it's cliche to say, but you always read about and hear about people. Nobody regrets on their deathbed that they didn't work more hours. It's always more the time that they spent with their family and so forth. What what are your thoughts around all this? Is that is do you have to pick? Is there a hierarchy? Do you have to decide family first or business first, or or can we pursue both equally? 
I think you can do both. I don't think there's a dichotomy. I don't think there has to be an either or. I think, again, it comes down to the priorities of life. Okay, the priorities of life. Uh, we have 24 hours. And if you allocate uh, the correct amount of hours to your work, I believe that in those hours you allocate to your work, you're all on and you're in your work and you're serving people and you're taking care of, of the world with your occupation. Then there are enough hours to also be present for your family. So I don't see it as a dichotomy, one or the other. Um, certainly, you know, you can use your work as an excuse. Well, I, I love my, I got to build my job because I provide for you. You know, I, uh, I got to make the money. You know, you want to go to college, you want a car, you clothes, you know, food, house, you know, entertainment. So dad has to work. You can make that an excuse and, and make an excuse that you're never home because you're working to provide for your family. That can be an excuse. But I, but again, I think it's the priorities of life in the hours you allocate to your work. If you do it uh, effectively, efficiently, you're all engaged, you're fully on, you're doing what God created you to do, you can have both a successful business and you can have a great family life. I don't think it has to be either or. Now, uh, what does successful mean? Well, that's where you have to have, that's wisdom, right? It's wisdom to know how far do you go with something. Like, like the Bible says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart is unto the Lord, right? So the challenge to me is, Okay, so how do you do something with all your heart, your your profession, without having it occupy your heart, meaning become an idol, right? Making your work your idol is not good. It's not supposed to be your identity because what happens when you stop working? Does that mean you lose your identity? Do you lose your purpose in life? Do you go into depression? You know, do you start doing unhealthy things? No, you shouldn't do that. Uh, so how do you do something with all your heart without it becoming your idol? That's a good question. Well, there's there's not an easy answer to that one. That's where wisdom comes in. And that's where if you're in a relationship with the living God, that's why I spend time in the first part of my day with my Bible open. That's why I spend the first part of my day. I, I'm a prayer walk guy. I go for a 30-minute prayer walk every morning. It's how I start my day. And I walk and talk with God through the lonely neighborhoods out by the farms where I work, where I live here. And I often tell him, Lord, if you give me one hour today and this is all I get to live and I'm going to be dead at 8 a.m., I'm going to spend my first hour with you right now. This is what I would do. And I, you know, God wants to see my faith. He wants to see your faith, right? Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he wants to see our faith. So give him the first part of your day. Ask him for guidance, direction, leadership. And I believe, I believe that because I do that, he says, you just watch how I'm going to multiply what you have left over. And this is, this is, again, another supernatural spiritual principle, but I believe for the Christian business owner, you have an advantage because you have a God who can multiply what you, what you have left over in terms of time and money, creativity, connections, resources. So I, don't, I think it's a fallacy to say you have to pick between enjoyment and success in business and a great family life. Was your dad there for you when you were a kid? What have you taken from... from from your own childhood that you're taking into your own fathering with respect to work-life balance? Yeah, my, my dad w wasn't a, a Christian man, but I saw him work hard. I saw him prioritize family. He had a more of a seven to five job. He was home for nights, weekends. So I saw him prioritize his family um, and I saw him work really hard. So I had a healthy, I had a healthy view of manhood and men working hard uh, from my dad. So that was certainly consistent. Sure. So as we think about sort of wrapping this conversation up, I mean, I think this has been 
and credit. It's been really good for me to be reminded about the identity piece, to be encouraged that both can be held in balance and that it's okay to pursue success in business, but to understand your priorities. And to the extent that your family is a priority, there are solutions and intentionally pursuing those solutions so that you can be there. The kid, our, our kids aren't going to be under our roof forever. You know, at some point they move on and, and it is a fairly narrow window. You know, the kids grow up so fast and um, man, you don't want to squander these these times as as you are suggesting. What Any final lessons learned? If you could go back and talk to the Dr. Steve from 20 years ago, 25 years ago, sort of at the front end of this, hey, you're about to have your first child. Here's what you need to be thinking about as you're pursuing being a doctor, but man, you're about to have a newborn in the house. What advice might you give to the old Dr. Steve and other men who may be listening to this, um, thinking about how to do this work-life balance thing well? Yeah, I would just say, you know, pay attention to what's going on around you. Your spouse is going to be a good barometer of your own healthiness. If you're in a healthy place, your spouse and your marriage is more likely to be in a healthy place. So pay attention to what's going on around you. If you show up and your kids act like who 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 just came home, you know, it's a good indication you've got the balance bad. Um, are your kids excited to see you or are they aloof because you're just always gone all the time. Like notice, notice what's going on around you. Like, how's your health? If you're in a good place in your business, you should be healthy physically as well. Uh, we're all, it's all related. You should be healthy relationally. Do you have healthy male or female relationships? You know, if you're a guy, guy relationships, you're a lady, women relationships. Uh, do you have healthy relationships? Are you physically? physically healthy. And it's an excuse. I don't have time to exercise. You have time for whatever matters. You know, do you take time for vacation? Do you recreate? You know, the word recreation is to recreate yourself. Do you take time away? We got away for vacations. We used to go to, you know, someplace warm in the winter months for a week or two with our kids a little. I wouldn't trade those memories for anything. That was so valuable. I just loved the time. I just craved, wish we could do that again. So you want to be healthy in all respects. Do you have time for your faith, number one? Are you following God? Because he's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you that supernatural wisdom to see your life from a different perspective. And he will lead you and direct you and guide you if you go alone with him. So I'd say, number one, most important, take time with God. In your in your Bible, turn your phone off, turn off that device, turn your phone off, turn your phone off, turn your phone off, and listen to God, listen to the word, be with him. He will direct you. He will guide you. Be around healthy male friendships, guys that are also trying to fear God, honor God, and be successful in business while they raise great families. Be around healthy men relationships. Do you have healthy male relationships? Um, get away with your spouse. Okay, are you growing? in? Like you invest in things that matter to you. You might invest in your business, your career. Are you investing in your marriage? You know, it's a living relationship. It needs time. And if you don't invest in it and feed it, and it's going to die, it's going to wither. It's going to make you or your wife vulnerable to affairs, emotional affairs, physical affairs outside of your relationship, which is catastrophic. And it happens all the time. So paying attention to your spouse, paying attention to your kids. Are your kids in a healthy place? But, you know, it's the it's the balance of life, right? It's the priorities of life. We're not just spiritual creatures. We're not only physical creatures. We're amphibians, like C.S. Lewis says. We're both which means it takes wisdom to get both well. Um, 
you have to attend to all these different categories. And that, you know, maybe it sounds like, oh my gosh, that's so overwhelming. No, it shouldn't be overwhelming. You know, there's, I've seen different things where there's spokes of a wheel and you can show all those different aspects, your relational, your physical, your financial, your professional, you know, your family. Those are all categories and they're, they all need to be in a, in a decent balance for you to have a good life, a whole life, a life that God intended for you. And um, I would say just, just that, you know, being in healthy, good relationships, doing life with other families um, and going through life with good relationships is just a real key thing. Don't be a loner. Don't be alone. Don't always be with friends. If you're an extrovert and you know, you need that alone time as well. But if you're more of an introvert like me, make sure you're traveling through life with other good, healthy families. That's a great reminder. I love what you said about uh, just a barometer, looking around you, being aware and in tune. Are your kids running up to you when you come home? I, th I love that picture, what you painted earlier about that being one of the best parts of your day. And it reminded me, my dad told me once, he used to say that literally the highlight of his entire day was walking through the door. He was a, a seven to five type or a seven to eight. He, he worked a lot of hours, but he would always come home at some point for dinner. And, and we would run up to him and he just said that was that was the highlight of his day. And and the question is, do your kids want to run up to you? Right. And that and that that's a barometer moment. Do they still look forward to you walking through the door? And if so, and if they run up to you and give you a big hug and they're excited to see you, man, that's a that's a good indication that you might be doing things at least somewhat right. And I'll just sort of leave leave this thought to to piggyback on what you talked about with that balance. And yeah, it it can feel overwhelming. You have all of these balls that you feel like you're juggling and it's all in balance and it's all interconnected and your marriage is related to how your relationship with your kids are and, and all of that. Um, but I, I think it was Gary Keller who talked about work being a rubber ball, whereas all of these other, the rest of your family, your health, you talked about health, relationships, those are like glass balls, right? And so the work ball will bounce. If if you're a little bit out of balance in the work area, that'll bounce back. You can always make more money. You can always you can always find a new vocation. You, I mean, it's not easy. I'm not saying that's easy, but like the work will bounce back. But if we mess up some of these other areas, the family, the kids, the health, the relationships, our integrity, our character sometimes those balls might shatter and irrevocably they won't come back. And so that's just, that's a picture that I sort of have in my mind as I'm thinking about if I am forced to choose. And I think you're exactly right. It comes down to priorities. I don't think you have to choose. You can do all of it well. But if you're forced to choose sort of along the lines of what Perry was talking about, the work can bounce back, might bounce back. But some of this other stuff, you may never have that second chance. So anyway. Just some final thoughts there as we wrap up. So I thank you for your time as always, your friendship, your insight. I always love talking with you and and hearing your perspective on family and and all of that. So enjoy the last couple of and and I got it wrong. I, I said baseball, but but basketball. How did your son do in his his tournament? By the way, oh he did he did good. He had a, he played well. His team did well. They didn't win as much as they'd like. They probably were in a tougher division than they should have been, but it was it was all real competitive and, and, and good athletics to see. Is basketball his his passion? Is that his best sport? Does he have yeah? That's does he have prospects in basketball or just kind of? No, no, he won't play. He won't. <clears throat> we won't get any college money for him playing yeah. basketball. <laughs> it's a it'll be a hobby though, which is great. But hey, I did want to mention just a couple. I'm a book guy. I love books. Anybody of you like to listen to books, read books. Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor. 
Every Good Endeavor, great book on just finding your vocation, how God views your work. Very, very helpful book for me. It's one of those books I actually will reread every couple of years. Tim Keller, Every Good Endeavor. Um, uh, another one is the, Paul Meyer has some good stuff, 24 Keys for Success in Life. Paul Meyer is a guy who uber successful, but family faith was very important to him. So just there's some good resources out there as well. Okay. I'll post links to those. I think every good endeavor you had turned me on to a handful of years ago, and I did read it. Um, if we're talking about the same book, I think that rings a bell and it was impactful. So I'll post links to those in the show notes below. Again, thank you for your time. I know today is a day off, so go do something enjoyable with the rest of your day. Maybe you can play some golf or something like that today. What's, uh, what's the rest of the day look like for you? Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I got some errands to run and and um, we'll figure it out. I hear my kids out there now, so we'll see what's going on. Good. Go spend some time with them. Thank you as always. Look forward to chatting with you again in the near future. Until then, we will sign off. Thank you to our listeners for giving us some of your time this morning. Hopefully you have been blessed by this conversation. We look forward to coming, with you, uh, coming to you again in your podcast feed here on the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Be blessed and take care. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a good